are four things you need to know up front. One, while we are talking to you, we're not talking about you. Your specific situation may not apply to our general podcast analysis. Two, the info we're using came from sources we think are reliable, but their accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed, not even by the companies issuing the data. Three, you cannot rely on the past results of any investment for future performance. The past is never exactly repeated, so past results can never predict future performance with any reliability. Four, there are many kinds of risk in any investment, no matter what may or may not be guaranteed. Look closely and consult your investment, legal, and tax advisors for deeper one-on-one discussion and analysis. So, you've built your core portfolio. It's grown. You're doing well. We're all doing well. When is it big enough, though? When is your core portfolio big enough that you start to consider going to the expanded portfolio? When you feel like you've got like expenses covered when, when you're ready to transition. So you have enough to pay for the house, kids, stuff that you have to pay for. Yeah, I would agree. The so, obligations. Oh, we, I felt like I did it this year is with my core portfolio is I put just the majority in and then whatever I felt I could live off basically grocery money and rent money. Right. But when is it big enough that you say, okay, my core portfolio is as big as it needs to be. And I can t- go on to the riskier expanded portfolio. I would say when my, the uh, dividends are like looking pretty, sitting pretty. Your profit sharing. My right? profit sharing so, is sitting pretty. So, so you, do you agree with what Leela's saying? Is it so you feel like uh, everything's that covered? they cover the yeah the rent and and my grocery money? Yeah, I would say that it, it's it's. I would say that you you sort of blended two ideas in there. One is, um, have I covered my my basic income each month that that I had while I was an active athlete? Is that covered? That's that's one measure of big enough. And the other one is, well, it's that plus. I need to know that I want to have a house and I know I want to send the kids to private school. And I, you know, is, is all of that coming through the core portfolio profit sharing? Is that cash flow looking like it's in my future? At that moment, I'd say you're big Does enough. Does that happen for people? Does that... I'm in an expanded portfolio. Yeah, I've got everything from venture capital to private equity to actually personal investments where I put myself into it. Leela and I and our Tenenbaum and Kelly, where we have uh, direct investments in startups. But the key thing that we're trying to get at here is, is when is our core big enough and how did we get there? So how we got there was you have to have a target in mind, right? So when you say I'm building a core portfolio, uh, the target is pretty obvious. It's whatever your, your athletic endeavors are paying you, right? So that's our target for the amount of profit sharing we want to achieve. And we're going to get there by doing a lot of concepts we talked about in the last podcast by looking at where we are in the investment cycle, what sectors are we in. As the world's changing, we're also rebalancing our portfolio by buying and selling different positions because you know they either haven't lived up to our expectations or they have, and it's time to rotate it. Like, let's say you were a farmer, for example, and you had a farm. Would you only ever grow cotton on your farm if the soil was good for cotton? hammer the hell out of your soil every year cotton 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 um if i mean you, you hurt the soil 
you deplete the soil. So farmers rotate their crops to, to replenish the soil. Mm. And we do that in our portfolios. We rotate because different things are doing, different companies are performing in different ways. Right. You know, some companies are doing better than we thought. Some companies are doing worse. You know, just because we thought it would do something doesn't mean that they actually did it, mm-hmm. right? So we, we'll, we'll target and that's how we grow it. And so that's how we get to be big enough. Now, when we get to the buying and selling then, one of the big questions in your core portfolios, we've talked about a lot about when to buy. What about when's the right time to sell? A 52-week high? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something you do at a, at a Colorado dispensary. Oh. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's a loaded question, Mark. Loaded with what? <laughs> I mean, the, it, there's a lot to take into consideration. I think we have to do the same things, economic uh, cycles, sectors. I would say that it actually comes down to it's simpler when to sell. It's just harder to do because we have emotions. But when, when to sell? When you're down to sail off into the sunset, personally. No. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. Okay. When do we sell an investment? First thing is, when do we sell a bad investment? Human beings tend to have a feeling that if it went down 10 or 15% um, or it went down 30, you know, 10 or 15%, we're probably more willing to sell it then than when it's gone down 30%. Do you know why? And there are actually psychology studies on this. So you're saying if it's only going down a little bit. We're more willing to sell, sell it than it if it's gone down a lot, lot of bit. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It hurts less. <laughs> That's because it. it's it panic. No, it's the initial panic, and people were just like super fight or flighty anyway, and we're just like, oh god, and so we'll slang off. But when it's already hit them and it's already gone down, we're just like, well, I hope it goes back up. Are we hopeful by nature? Yeah, yeah the hope is a four-letter word too, folks, <laughs> and it can be just as disastrous when it comes to investing. When a stock goes down ten or fifteen percent, it's easier to take the hit right? It's only that much amount of money. But if it's gone down 30, 50%, suddenly our judgment gets called into question. How did I do that? Why did I do that? If I sell now, I'm admitting I'm an idiot. Hmm. So Admit it, to, dude. So we tend to ride them all the way down to zero. Yeah. Uh, and I have fights with people about it. It's like, it's so much better to lose 20% and go put it in a winner than to fight over the next 10 that you're going to lose. I mean, good captain... They go down with the ship. Uh, <laughs> no, a good uh, yes, a good captain goes down with the ship. A good investor hits the life rafts immediately. Okay, <laughs> a good investor hits the life rafts at about ten to fifteen percent loss. So I would tell you, and they survived. Yes, you survived. That's right. Captain doesn't survive. Captain's dead. <laughs> he went down. Good captain, but good captain, he's dead. terrible investor. <laughs> uh, so. My general rule is if it goes down 10 or 15% because of something that happened in the business, management made a mistake, something executed wrong, a lawsuit looks really, really bad, I'm out of there, all right? I didn't sign up for that kind of risk. If it goes down 10 or 15% because the market went down 10 or 15% and it was just a general market move and nothing is otherwise hurting the company's ability to execute and profit share with me, do I sell then? No, you ride that. Absolutely right. You do not sell in that environment. In fact, that investment's probably going to become more valuable to us because if the market's gone down that much and they're still profit sharing at the same level, 
what that looks like is a percentage yield has gone up, which means people are going to be attracted to it. And so our, our, it's, it's going to help underpin our value. It's yeah. going to help us. So I'll sell when it's down 10 or 15% because the company screwed up, not because the market okay. is sad. When the other time to sell is when something's gone up a lot. And we have to consider, is that as high as it's going to go? Has it hit its maximum, maximum and are there better things to go into? And that's a lot harder, right? Yeah, same same kind of psychology going on there with just hopeful. It's a slightly different. It's like Well, actually, I think it, that becomes, it, it's a different four-letter word then. Hope is when things haven't gone well. We have hope. Love is or like serotonin. Well, yeah, love. Yeah. I love that stock. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you how much money I made on my iron mountain stock? It's like, yeah, yeah. it really it gets into the ego. It gets Peloton in there deep. is one of those um, things is an example of this. You remember how high it went in 2020 right. and early 21. Right. And how low it's gone now. In fact, people are now projecting that maybe Apple should buy Peloton. They're, t- they're asking, they're thinking about people outside the exercise industry to come in and buy Peloton as some related technology play. I mean, one of its um, investors well, wrote just a letter you, to that's the when CEO. hope is at its highest, and that's when you should be the hell away, okay? When <laughs> Apple hope would is make high, it tight. What? Apple would make Peloton, a sick Peloton bike. It would, but I wouldn't go and buy Peloton stock today yeah. on the hope that yeah. Apple might come in and rescue me. Ready? Magnetic? levitating stationary bike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what that's designed. Is that designed not to give you? And you have the wobble factor. Right, but is that designed to give you no exercise? (laughs) Because (laughs) the maglev is making it run? (laughs) (laughs) Or are you literally floating above the ground? You're just floating on the ground and you're just floating, boom. Apple's got it. it. They got it. If they buy it, it's coming soon. Watch. (laughs) Back on Earth, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we are we are really just kind of talking about um, when you sell something has gone up a lot, and why it's hard. Because uh, I love my winners. I don't know how you feel about it. It's like I'm like my proud little children. I do love my winners. Mm-hmm. So how do we divorce ourselves uh, from that love of that stock that's rewarded us so beautifully and sell it? Do you no. love money more? Nobody went broke selling. I, I feel like I feel safe selling. I like selling. Again, it's in that 10 to 15, and when it gets up to 50, 60%, our emotions get deeper. Maybe. I've right? never hit. I've never hit. So. Oh, uh, you will. Maybe one day. <laughs> I keep searching on look, Open Sea. I, look, I, I, I've got one right now in, in my portfolio. It's Iron Mountain. It's up a good 50%. And I don't want to sell it because I think the company's got a lot more juice in it. But there was another one that I sold last year, International Paper, and I thought it had sort of maxed out on, on the shipping demand in COVID. So I did sell that, and it turned out I sold it at about the right time. Now, Iron Mountain's gone down since I last considered selling it at the end of the year, and I'm not worried. It hasn't gone down because the company has screwed up. It's gone down because the market has been very, very choppy. So I have no worries about it. I right. love that stock. It's going to be on my recommended list certainly in January of 2022. Uh, I think the time when you sell it is when you think the company has gotten the majority of the growth that you thought it was going to get. And if you think you've got a better growth place to put it, you put it there. But it becomes a relative measure. You're looking at it against another opportunity. 
So we sell our winners when we think the opportunity cost of holding it becomes high. Right. Because there are other better things out there. Is it kind of like a, a list and you have some that are at the bottom of the list and this is right now performance-wise, like this is at the bottom of the well, list? Yeah, when you look at, like our, when, our, recommend, when you look at our, buy, our recommended buy list, you can certainly see on there uh, how, how things, you know, yeah, how going. much profit sharing is going on and uh, is the thing that you're holding on profit sharing less than something that's looking and really good and you're actually fresh. able to compare it like a nice little spreadsheet and yeah. be like, all right, you're right. out of here. And, and what else can you always do? Call us because yeah. you have 30 minutes every month of free one-on-one -on -one consulting. Mm. And you know, I, I live to do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The last bit before we sign off is really just talking about the expanded portfolio. When, you're, when your core is big enough, we go into the expanded portfolio. And just to know what happens there, you're entering what I call the big boy club. You're getting into the ability to invest in venture funds and private equity funds and hedge funds, some of which you've only ever heard about in the newspaper. And the reason that you can get there now is that with a big enough core portfolio, you qualify to be what's called an accredited investor, which means the law and the SEC says, yeah, you got big boy pants on, you, you know how to make it and lose it. Uh, the second thing is the minimums are higher. When we're buying our stocks and stuff, you know, you can invest a hundred bucks, 50 bucks, but when we're doing these, these more exotic funds, these special funds, the minimums can become 25, 50, a hundred, $150,000. And when you're building a portfolio at that level, you don't want to just have one investment out there at a hundred thousand. Well, your first one might be, but that's a pretty big yeah, no, you're, you're a multi-multi-millionaire when you're talking about yeah. yeah, and we're getting into something where you don't need the cash flow immediately. You can have a seven-year time horizon. This, these are the funds where hopefully we're starting to build wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, in the core portfolio, we're building a cash flow that sustains us. In the expanded portfolio, we're trying to build something that, well, if you're lucky. Make it your kids say a little bit. I don't want to use the term generational wealth because it gets tossed around in ways that I think become manipulative. All I want to say is it can produce more cash than you need in this life. Right, right. <laughs> and it becomes your choice as to how to deal with that. So that's what the expanded portfolio is for and about. Thanks for listening. Before we go, here's a reminder. You have 30 minutes a month of one-on-one -on -one consulting to discuss your specific situation with us. We recommend you take advantage of that.